0: And so we are a grateful people. Uh, we are a happy people uh, because we are born again. This morning, I would like to continue on with where we have been talking about for some weeks now about the activation of every generation. God has given us a prophetic word, and that word was activation and, 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 and activation of everybody and everything. Uh, there are many things, including in, the, in many things and people that are lying dormant, just just as it were, dormant, and God does not want dormant, inactive. In fact, I looked up the, the word activation, then I looked at the opposite of activation, and one of those uh, words was mothballed. And you know when things are mothballed, they're just sitting there and preserved nicely, but just sitting there, not, not operational. And God wants nothing mothballed in the body of Christ. God wants everything and everybody Activated, And so we've been speaking along these lines for some time. And of course, uh, earlier on this year, I extended the invitation to, for people to join us on our activation leadership camp uh, towards the end of March. Uh, last weekend in March, I believe it is. So that's Friday evening and Saturday daytime. Uh, specifically, uh, of course, all the leadership, uh, uh, pe- all people on leadership are invited uh, uh, anyway, but then we've extended an invitation specifically for people of the ages of 18 to 38. Uh, because that's the target group this year. Uh, that's the, the generation that God is breathing on right now. That's the generation that we are prophesying to. That's the generation that we are encouraging to rise up, uh, to take their place in God. And and by the way, if you're just outside of that age group that I've mentioned, and you're really keen to be there, we really don't want to knock anybody back. But uh, you know, you come and talk to me. But as I said, the target group is in that particular uh, section of, of ages. So we're looking forward to that. And people say, well, what's going to happen there? Um, and, and people want to know, well, what are you going to do there? Well, everything to do with activation. That's what's going to happen. All right. So uh, of course, there is some information in the newsletter that, uh, that uh, has just come out this week. By the way, my wife does a wonderful job in putting this newsletter together. And, uh, and, and, and my wife reckons that uh, John Jones is the most patient man in the whole wide world because he's <laughs> the, he does the printing for us and, and helps with the typesetting, getting everything just perfect. So great job, John absolutely looks fantastic. Praise God. All right, let's get ready. I'm going to read our opening scripture again. Uh, That word from Psalm 78, uh, seven verses there that we've started with last week, the week before. That is, if you like, uh, the theme scripture for this particular series of messages. And we trust God that God's going to speak to us once again. So there in verse one, it says, open your ears to my teachings My people, turn your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth to illustrate points. I will explain what has been hidden long ago. Things that we have heard and known about things that our parents have told us. We will not hide them from our children. We will tell the next generation about the Lord's power and great deeds and the miraculous things He has done. He established written instructions for Jacob's people. He gave His teachings to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to make them known to their children so that the next generation would know them. And children not yet born would learn them. They will grow up and tell their children to trust God, to remember what He has done and to obey His commands and this is a passage of scripture that God impresses upon every generation uh, which is if you like established generation to uh, make sure that the next generation catches uh, those things that God wants to pass on from generation to generation God's plans and god's purposes are intergenerational generational God doesn't just work with one generation and doesn't care about the next God wants these truths uh, of his work God wants these covenant truths uh, God wants the knowledge of Jesus Christ and his his sacrificial death on the cross passed on to the next generation, generation after generation, so that they learn to trust God for themselves. So that they learn to, or that they remember what he has done, uh, and that they can also learn to obey his commands. And you know, the Bible speaks about commands. They're not suggestions. They are commands. And God expects us to live by his word. And by the way, that's the best life possible. If we live outside of God's word, uh, things might look good for a while. Things might be okay. But in the end. God only blesses his word, and so today's rising generation is being activated. God is breathing his spirit on young people to raise up another generation of fearless warriors. And I tell you what, if there's one thing that is required from leaders, it is courage to step out, to stick your head above other people. And God does that. God calls people out of, of their generation, out of their people and, and, and deals with them and works with them and reconfigures us and then releases us back into our own generation. And so, Last week, we spoke about the Spirit of God, that we are activated when the Spirit of God comes into our lives. And it, the Spirit of uh, God is also the Spirit of activation in our lives. And there in Corinthians, and I'm still recapping on what we've said so far before we start to cover new ground. But in 1 Corinthians 12, it says, There are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of services, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. And if you've got a pen in your hand, you can circle that word, everyone. All right? This is not just some people. This is for everybody, particularly everybody in the body of Christ. How are we doing today for sound? Are we a bit okay, a bit loud? Are we a bit echoey, are we? Maybe if we can uh, work with that, that'll be good. All right? So every believer has a variety of gifts. Every one of us is anointed. And when these gifts are activated, they lead to a variety of services and activities. In God, nothing is mothballed, nothing just sits there dormant. God wants everything activated. And so uh, from here on, I would like to start reading in Acts chapter 2, verse 17. And before we do that, I'm going to pray. And we're going to trust God. That God will speak to us today and bring revelation into our lives. Heavenly Father, we once again bow, you, uh, be, we bow before you, Father. And Lord, we commit this time to you, the time of, Lord, the teaching and the proclamation of your word. And Father, we are ready for you to speak to us. We are ready, Lord, to have truth impressed upon our lives. And Lord, with there's areas of confusion, areas of, uh, of possibly even, uh, Lord, error, we ask, Lord, that that be corrected today and, uh, and that our thinking be aligned with your word. Lord, uh, any area of our lives that is out of alignment, as it were, we want that to be aligned this morning. And we ask you, Lord, that you speak to us, bring revelation into our lives. Show us the things that we need to know. And help us, Lord, to be doers of the Word and not, not hear us only. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm reading again from Acts chapter 17. Uh, no, I start again. Acts chapter 2 verse 17. And here is uh, Peter the apostle standing up to quote a passage of scripture from the Old Testament from the book of Joel. And he says, In the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. You see, he's already speaking about the next generation. He's speaking to the established generation, and he says, your sons and your daughters, the, the young ones coming up, they will prophesy. Um, and he says, "You young men will see visions, and you old men will dream dreams. God deals with every generation that is alive at any given time. God is not finished with anybody. Uh, nobody's too young or too old to be touched by the Spirit of God, to be used by God to advance His purposes in the earth. So he says, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. Now, of course, we know in terms of prophecy, we understand that there is such a thing as a gift of prophecy where people will, forth, will, will speak forth inspired words of, uh, of encouragement and, 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 and so forth and inspiration and so forth. But, you know, sometimes uh, uh, we can, th- that understanding can get a little bit in the way uh, because what happens is when the Spirit of God touches our lives, everyone is called uh, to prophesy to our own generation. Everyone of 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 us are called to speak words of truth, to speak words of encouragement, to speak words of uh, uh, God's words into families, into friends, into, into work situations, and so forth. And so this is what God does. He reveals himself to every new generation. It's what God does. I was really inspired when I came into the things of the Lord as a as a young man, and the established generation back then. I was like, thought, "Wow, you know, this is amazing." Somebody's people, such such godly people, such established, such a, such home characters, people of integrity, people of honesty, people that had cleaned up their lives, cleaned up their speech, cleaned up their their their, their acts, so to speak, and people that that inspired me, and they taught us things, and and. And, and people like Vanessa and I and others of, of the established generation, we called these things and, and we said, we want you to show us how to walk with God. We want you to, to teach us how to believe uh, God, not just to believe in God, but how to walk by faith. And, and so that's what God does. He reveals himself to every generation. Now, I'm a part of the established generation, uh, but there's a new generation arising right now. In fact, this deal is going on all the time. This is not like, you know, the chop-off point. This is the old and this is the new like Like this deal is going on all the time. And God reveals himself to every generation. In every generation, he raises up leaders to begin to prophesy to their generation. Vanessa and I, we began to prophesy to our peers. And it wasn't like, thus says the Lord, da-da-da-da-da. It was like, hey... Let's live a different life. Let's no longer do what we've always done. Let's do things differently. Let's follow God. Let's be in church on a Sunday. Let's do a Bible study. Let's do things differently. God does that in every generation. He raises up leaders uh, who will then begin to prophesy to their own generation. Somehow, somehow. Uh, In the way that it works is that uh, we're called to reach all people, but we tend to be. And this is this is uh, uh, not so much a a (laughs) a rule, but there's exceptions to everything. But we tend to be more successful in reaching our peers of our generation and what we are in sort of uh, uh, you know that uh, that uh, we we, you know the divide sometimes. In fact, nowadays I tell you, young people uh, they're so connected up with things, and uh, young people just know how to reach young people. and it's absolutely fantastic and awesome when young people rising up and beginning to preach to, uh, beginning to prophesy, begin to speak truth to their own generation. So God empowers insignificant and o- obscure people and uses them significantly to advance his kingdom in the earth. As I'm hate a stirring, you know, sometimes there's a temptation to think, well, well what, what have I got to bring to the table? I mean, what have I got that God could use? But you know, the reality is that, in fact, here it is in... in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26, and it's a new outline. It says, Think about the circumstances of your call, brothers and sisters. Not many were wise by human standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were born to a privileged position. So here's Paul the apostle speaking to the believers there, and he says, "Remember, guys. He says most of you are not really of very sort of highly qualified stock, so to speak. Uh, you weren't really all, uh, you know, like uh, you know, uh, double, triple university degrees, and that, there's nothing wrong with that. But but he says most of you, he says, you don't come from that from that group. He says you're just like obscure, ordinary people, and God calls you out from your generation. God breathes upon you. He fills you with this word, and then you begin." to speak to your own generation not everybody is going to listen but some people will we're not going to reach everybody but we will reach some people and that's the reality of it so God isn't looking for able people He's looking for available people. And the question that I have to you today, to all of you, to all of us, to every single one of us, are we available? Because might say, well, we don't really have all that much to give. We're not really all that, uh, that uh, you know, that able. I mean, what would I be able to bring to the table in terms of, you know, reaching this nation? But if each person brings their gift, if each person brings their two fish and, and the five loaves, that's all it takes in God. God is amazing and he's, he's able to breathe on the situation and multiply things and God puts it all together and suddenly you've got something significant and something powerful. Not all achieved by one person, but achieved by everybody bringing and inputting into that environment. So God isn't looking for able people. I remember the struggle that I had when God called me. It's like, oh, what could I say? What what could I do? Um, in fact, I'm getting ahead of myself, but you know, read through the, through the Bible and uh, Typically, God called obscure, ordinary people. God called some people from high places in terms of people that had a standing in the world, but that is typically the exception, not the rule. God's looking for weak people so he can empower and enable them to reach their generation. It's amazing what happens when we give the little that we have and put it on the altar and let God breathe on it, as it were, and let the fire of God go through it to strip away everything that is not of God and to strip away the ego and to strip away, strip away the selfish ambitions and all these other things. And what remains, God says, I'm going to take your gift, I'm going to take your talent, and I'm going to overlay it with the anointing, with a supernatural ability. And you've got a, an ability, say for argument's sake, to sing. And you know you get the best, the best singers in the whole world, filling, filling concert halls and singing beautifully. But no lives are changed. People think, wow, that's wonderful. I get goosebumps, but no lives are changed. And then you take somebody who is, who has got a gift in the area of singing. God says, let me overlay that thing with the anointing of God. And you sing and suddenly the anointing is released in the place and burdens are removed and yokes are destroyed and people are beginning to cry and healing takes place in people's lives. How awesome is that? Deuteronomy chapter seven, verse seven and eight. God wasn't attracted to you and didn't choose you because you were big and important. The fact is that there was almost nothing to you. <laughs> this is Moses speaking to the nation of Israel. He when God chose you, there was only one guy. His name was Abraham. And he wasn't all that fantastic in terms of like, wow, you know, here is a king who's already got a following. Let's grab him and we can grow the church very quickly. There's no, 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 just one guy. God does that. God starts small, and then he breathes on that situation. And one of the prophetic words that God's given us, uh, and we preached about in on second Sunday this year, that God is telling us to prophesy to the dry bones. God is telling us for bone to come together to bone, into a situation where God can breathe upon, us, uh, upon this situation. Each time when we get together to pray and to intercede, we are calling for the Spirit of God to breathe on situations that are dry, And you see, when God raises up leaders and begin to prophesy to their generation, they don't just say what is, they say what will be. They speak into the potential. They're they're calling those things that are not as though they were. It takes no genius to say, oh, wow, look at that, what a real mess it is today. But it takes a person of faith to say, God's going to invade that scenario and that situation, that family and that circumstance and turn it all around and bring something forth, something beautiful and something powerful the fact is that there was almost nothing to you. Verse 8, he says, he did it out of sheer love, keeping the promise he made to your ancestors. God stepped in and mightily brought you back out of that world of slavery, freed you from the iron grip of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. This is what God does. He calls people out from among their generation, sets them free from the spirit of the world. Back then, it was the spirit of Pharaoh holding the people down and enslaving them. You work for me. Today it is the spirit of the world, i.e. the spirit of the devil, to hold people down. You all work for me, the devil says. You all serve me. And our Bible tells us we can't serve two masters. We either only serve Jesus Christ or we serve the spirit of this world. God calls us out from among that, sets us free, and then uses us to change our world. Praise God. God took a shepherd boy called David and made him king of Israel. It's interesting, and it's uh, in an article that Pastor Vanessa wrote in in a newsletter, but David didn't realize when he went down to the brook after he had seen Goliath defying the armies of Israel, he didn't realize when he picked up three stones that when he picked up a stone that was going to lead to the throne. Don't despise today of small beginnings. I'm only doing a bit of this, a bit of that. You be faithful and you allow God to breathe on that situation and on you and allow God to increase you. Sometimes things are so, so, so tiny and so puny and so insignificant, but, but just wait, watch this space. Just stay with the program. See, if Vanessa and I had given up and things got a little bit tough. We all wouldn't be here today. <laughs> a, lot people, a lot of people wouldn't be saved today. A lot of people's marriage wouldn't be restored today. A lot of things would not have happened if we had given up at the first time when things got a little bit tough. And you know, there are tough times. There are times when you think, wow, you know, why isn't it easy? But Jesus uh, uh, said that in terms of the yoke that he lays upon us, it is easier to burn his life. But there are tough situations when everything screams at you and say, and say you're not going to make it. You're not gonna, this is not going to amount to anything. David shepherd's boy, out in the back in the desert. And when uh, the prophet of God came and, and, uh, and, and said to the father, call all of your boys, one of them is going to be king. Even the father didn't believe in David. Amazing. When he first started out and people think, you know, like, because people, people judge according to outward appearance, but God looks at the heart and God can see the potential. And God can see things that are buried on the inside that are still mothballs. God says, let me breathe on that. Let let, let me bring that that ability to the the fore. Let me bring that thing to the surface. See, what many people don't realize is that uh, one of the larger television ministries today, Joyce Meyer, she talks about it sometimes. I mean, she's got a worldwide television ministry. She's on stages and she's in, in front of auditoriums with thousands of people. People didn't realize that she taught a Bible study for 10, 15 years with just a few people in there, just being faithful. And she's like, oh, what's the point? It's like, few people, let them go somewhere else. Let's just shut the thing show down. You wouldn't have this worldwide ministry today. Don't despise today. Small beginnings. God used fishermen and tax collectors to impact their generation. (laughs) I don't mean to be rude, but you know, fishermen I mean, I I know some of them, they're, they're lovely people, but they're not typically world changers until God calls him out from their generation and breathes upon them and puts his word within them. Tax collectors. I feel like being a little bit rude today, but you know, a lot of accountants are tax collectors today. Did you know that? Accountants are, in a sense, tax collectors. And God's breathing on accountants. We've got a few of them around here. Calling you out from your generation to do something significant for God. You're all awesome people, accountants, by the way. You're all all wonderful. God God used a tent maker called Saul. Called him out from among his peers. Used him to turn the world upside down. Appeared to him uh, on his way to Damascus. Knocked him off his horse or his donkey, whatever he sat on. And he says, get up. I need to speak to you. In fact, we'll have some of the passage there before, but there is a key in that, friends. While we're lying down flat, we can't hear God, but when we get up, getting into a position of ready to go. Certainly we hear the word of the Lord. We may be tempted to think that we're not qualified sufficiently to be used by God, but God doesn't call those who are qualified and and, and powerful typically. God empowers and qualifies those whom he calls. That's what he does. Last week we majored on the whole aspect of the Spirit of God activating our lives when God breathes on us. We've just read again in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 17 and 18, there'll be visions and dreams, visions of doing something great for God, dreams of of, uh, somebody that that needs to be touched with the love of God in one form or another, and God does that. But today I would like to have a, a look at a different angle in terms of activation through the word of God. Jeremiah, chapter 1, verse 4, uh, it says, the word of the Lord came to me. And here's young Jeremiah speaking. He was just a youth at that time. We're talking about young people, Jeremiah, the young man. The word of the Lord came to me, he said. Verse 5, God says to him, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. God says, I already hate you set apart before you were even born. I already had a purpose for your life worked out. See, there's no such thing as somebody being an accident. People might be unplanned if they're born, but people are no accidents. God knew they were coming. And God says, I've got a plan for you. I, I'm going to take a situation that might not be absolutely fantastic fantastic, and do something awful. Or, or, awesome and something wonderful. Sorry, I'm just getting ahead of myself here. We'll talk about awful things later on. <laughs> Praise God. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak. Oh, Can I relate to that? Can I relate to that? When God called me and impressed upon my life that I was to preach the gospel, I said, God, listen, I'm in amongst an English-speaking people, and my mother tongue is German. How can I do this? But I tell you what, with the the help of the congregation in the early days, we got there in the end. There were times like, how do you say this, and how do you do that? But, you know, we got there in the end. (laughs) Ah, Lord, I do not know how to speak, for I'm only a youth. You know, there are excuses galore. I'm too young. I'm too old. The devil does that. He lies to people, says, you're too young. Nobody's going to listen to you. People say, oh, you're too old now. You, you're over it now. It's a lie. Nobody too young and nobody too old. And then, then then, the devil says, oh, no, you're a woman. Who would listen to you? You're a woman. But I tell you, women that are anointed, not everybody's going to listen as they don't listen to every man that's anointed. But some people are going to listen and some people's lives will be changed as women begin to prophesy uh, to their generation and women begin to prophesy into their environments that's that God's given them influence in. I'm only a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say, uh, underline that word, do not say. Each time when we got an excuse, and we can, might be able to think of many, but each time when we're ready, God says, do not say that. God says, I've anointed you. I have made you, past tense in God's mind, it's already happened. I've made you a prophet to the nations. Do not say, I'm only youth. For to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them. So, he says, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. And then what really tickles me, when God says to Jeremiah, and he says the same thing to Ezekiel, he says, do not be afraid of their faces. <laughs> and every preacher must not be afraid of faces. You get all sorts of faces, like faces, and you get all sorts of faces. But the, you all got wonderful faces, by the way, all wonderful. So God called a youth by the name of Jeremiah, and made him a prophet to the nations. Usual objections. You read the story of when God called Moses. Says, Moses, I can't speak. I got a stutter. God says, Don't worry. Let me breathe on that. And Moses carried on, So God got a bit angry at him. All right, he says. I'm going to send you a brother. He'll be your spokesman. You tell him what to say. There's always a way. God somehow always works, works around it so that so that our, our excuses come to naught. <laughs> too young, too old, can't speak, don't know what to say. Then learn what to say. God says to Ezekiel, God says, "All right." Ezekiel says, and suddenly a hand appeared and had a scroll in its hand. Today, we would say a book, or we might even say it's a, an iPad or something, and, uh, and and with words written on it. Uh, and, he, and, and God says, "All right, eat that." So Jeremiah, uh, Ezekiel literally took the scroll and began to eat it, literally. Um, and then he says, he says it was like the words were, the scroll was like sweet. In in, in in his mouth, like, like honey, but when he swallowed it, it sort of made him feel a bit uncomfortable. And sometimes, you know, some aspects of God's Word just make us feel a bit uneasy. Or should I say, make the flesh a little uneasy. The Spirit is thrilled with every aspect of God's Word, but the flesh squirmishes a bit and just wants to wiggle out of it. I don't want to do that. No, 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 it's too, too hard. I can't do that. But we can do everything that God's called us to do. And so later on, he says, all right, God says, eat my word. And as we begin to feed our spirit on God's word, there's an activation that comes. I remember clearly one day when God spoke to me from uh, the book of uh, Acts chapter 20. Is it, a, is it verse 32 or thereabouts? And, and God said to me, in fact, uh, when Paul the Apostle is addressing the elders in Ephesus, and, and Paul says, I'm, I'm guiltless of the blood of all men. He says, I have not shunned to declare unto you the whole counsel of God. And that worked God into me, and it stirred me up, and it worked me over. And initially, I was excited about it. I thought, Vanessa, look at that. There's something very exciting. I didn't understand all the ins and outs, but as I meditated on it, and then parts of it scared me, I thought, oh, no. God's called me to declare the whole counsel of God. Oh no! And, and parts of it were, were sweet in my mouth, but then it worked me over and, 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 but there was such an activation as I hung around that word. I made that word my friend. I prayed it. I prophesied it. I, I, uh, and, 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 you know, that and, and other, other words, uh, you know, sometimes you forget everything that you've heard, like when you've been a, a Christian for 30 years, gone to Bible school for two years. In our two years of, of Bible school, if you were to hear that much preaching over a period of Sundays, uh, we would have heard 21 years worth of, uh, of preaching in two years concentrated together. And then all the s- tapes that we listen to and all the books that, you know, sometimes you, you forget what you got from where, but it all activates us. And let's never be ho-hum when the preaching of the word takes place because suddenly here's a phrase, here's a sentence, and it goes into somebody, and it activates them. It brings healing to their particular situation. And Sometimes people are just all broken up when they come uh, to the Lord, and, and God heals, and God restores, and God sets people up again. That's why sometimes, and you know, sometimes people that are hurt and people that are broken, sometimes you've got to as I said, very skillfully use the word and, and cut away some of the stuff that's attached itself to them. And sometimes people get offended, but let's get over our offense. God says to Jeremiah, he says, Jeremiah, I have anointed you to root up and to tear down and to demolish and then to plant and then to build up again. And sometimes, you know, there's certain things that have to be demolished in our lives and stripped away before God can build up again and and build us, you know, in alignment with his word and with his purposes rather than, you know, with humanism, secularism, and a lot of that other stuff, all of these prevailing uh, philosophies that we have today. So Jeremiah became activated when the word of the Lord came to him. Many of you can testify, when the word of the Lord came to you, as a phrase, there's a verse, sometimes only one or two or three words. It might have been in your prayer time, it might have, you might have just been reading the Word, or it might have been in a, in a, a public meeting somewhere, you heard the Word of the Lord and it did something on the inside of you. See, we become activated when the Word of the Lord comes to us. That's why we when, we, when the Word is preached, we want no we want no, nobody preferably running around and distracting other people. When I hear the preaching of the Word, I want to hear every word. That is being said, because there's somewhere something in there. If somebody talks to me when that particular word is preached and I miss it, then then my destiny doesn't come to pass. Malachi chapter 1, verse 1, and you can read this throughout the Old Testament in particular, where it says, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. The word of the Lord came to Ezekiel. The word of the Lord came to Malachi. In fact, here it says, the burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. And then you read through the rest of the book of Malachi, chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4. All of that was a word that God gave to Malachi the prophet, and he burdened him with all of that. And it's called the burden of the word of the Lord. Some aspects of the word absolutely thrill us and excite us. But some words are heavy. They weigh down on us. We've got a whole nation of people that we need to win. We've got people in places overseas that we're responsible to touch somehow through means of sending out missionaries or sending out finances so that churches can be built, so that people can be born again and we can reach them. Together we can do it. The burden of the word of the Lord Malachi, don't know if he was young or old. It doesn't really matter. Age doesn't really matter. We can all be used by God, and it's never too late to get started. Moses didn't really get going until he was 80 years of age. Smith Wigglesworth, one of the greatest uh, men of God that we had in the last century. Didn't really get cracking until he was 50 years of age. And, and, then, uh, and then he was so shy and he couldn't do anything. So what can I do? Oh, that's right. I'm going to go out. I'm going to take my horse and my wagon and I'm going to pick up some kids and bring them to church. His wife was the preacher. Polly Wigglesworth, the wife was the preacher. And gradually he remained faithful in what God called him to do. And gradually boldness came into his life. The spirit of God breathed on him. And then he had such boldness that it was almost scary, the boldness that he had. Like, you know, you read some of his writings where he gets up in the dining room where everybody just started to eat as people do and in, in some place in Australia, and he got up and he had a deep, booming voice. And, uh, and I'm not saying that, you know, that that anointing is on every one of us, but he, he says, It seems to me, he says, that you're all like pigs around here. You start eating before you give thanks to God. And he says, Seeing you haven't prayed, given thanks to God, he says, I will pray and I will give thanks to God. So with his deep, booming voice, he began to give thanks to God and turned that whole thing into like a deal of praying for all the people. And one by one, people fell off their chairs and, and fell under the power of God as the power of God fell in this place. Now, that's a particular anointing. Other people, like, you know, we got this man coming from Australia, Tom Ingalls. He's got such a sweet spirit on him. God's anointing that. And then God's anointed somebody else. You see, it's, it's, there's manifold uh, anointings and giftings. It's not, not all one way. So a burden is something that is carried about. If you look at the definition in the dictionary, what is a burden? A burden, uh, God burdened Malachi, not with a physical bag to carry around, but he burdened him in his heart. And a burden is something carried about. A burden is something that can cause distress. But people get distressed. Nehemiah became distressed because Jerusalem was lying in ruins. And God anointed somebody and burdened somebody to do something about it. And the question is, what is your burden? What are you concerned about? What is rising up on the inside of you? And and, and it could even be things that really annoy you. It could be the burden of the Lord just stirring away. And you just need wisdom on how to connect up with the purposes of God to discharge that burden. A burden is a strong yearning or a longing in one's heart. I began to envisage preaching. I was an excitement, but it scared me at the same time. Then I had an opportunity to, you know, street outreach in Wellington there. Uh, I used to reach out to the homeless people and alcohol people and drug people and everything. And, and I was given the opportunity to preach for 10 minutes. And, and in the last minute, I chickened out, like absolutely chickened out. But I got so annoyed over that and I thought, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to chicken out again. The ne- next opportunity, I, I'm going I'm to rise up. I'm going to rise to the occasion. And I'm encouraging you to not chicken out whatever God's called you to do. Don't chicken out. Don't sit there mothballed and comfortable. Become uncomfortable and burdened with the blight of people around you, and burdened with the with the with the, the, the progress or the lack of progress in terms of extending the kingdom of God in the earth today. Turn to the persons next to you and say, Be burdened. So come on, be burdened, just poke him right now. now. Be burdened. God gives every believer a burden for something or someone. All of us are burdened by a cause. Some of us recognize the burden more than others. Sometimes I get so frustrated. I get so frustrated. And I get so bored. And, and like, you know, when you've had the touch of God and you you've you not know, the presence of God. I got t- television now. I got so many channels. We've only had two or three channels until a, just a few months ago. I got so many channels now with Sky TV. and I flip. I'm just bored with all of that. Occasionally, there's a good program, but and then I get frustrated. And you know, there's such a thing as a holy frustration. Somebody used that word to me once. And I thought, is that what it is? Thought something was wrong with me, and things really annoy me. Some things really annoy me. It's a Holy Ghost annoyance, and people don't serve God. People don't grow in the things of God. People don't want the Word. They don't want the things of the Spirit. That really annoys me. Gets up my nose. Frustrating. Like smoke. Like, "Ah, that is so annoying. Why don't you want God? I'm not talking to you. I'm just just making all of this up, all right? I'm just having a conversation with myself. (laughs) See... (laughs) Not everyone is called to be a prophet to the nations. But everyone has a part to play in God's kingdom. And it's your job to identify your burden, your passion, your annoyance, what really concerns you. And the field is vast and the variety is so huge that I couldn't even begin to list one or two percent if I were to talk about, you know, concerns and burns for young people, for older people, for middle age, for marriage, for kids, for disabled, for technical stuff, for music, for t- you name it, the, the, the field is vast. Jeremiah verse 20, verse 9. Jeremiah had a hard time at times, like people just absolutely did not want to listen to him. And God just gave him another message. Preach another message. People need to hear the word of the Lord. And he preached another the message. They threw stuff at him. And in the end, they locked him up and put him into a dungeon. And then in verse 9 of chapter 20, he says, Sometimes I say to myself, I will forget about the Lord. I will not speak anymore in his name. But then his messages, or his message, God's message, became like a burning fire inside me. Burning within my bones, I get tired of trying to hold it inside of me, and finally, I cannot hold it in. In other words, the burn is so strong, the passion is so powerful. I try to hold it in, but then it like begins to bubble away, like, like uh, you know, if you shake up a, a can of uh, of some stuff with fizzy stuff inside, and and like you know, and then suddenly the cork pops off, and and it all is away. And we need to be like that. We can't be shut down. We will not be intimidated by the devil. We will not be pushed around by the spirit of the world. We will not be looked down upon by, you know, by intellectualism and what have you. And it's good to be intelligent, by the way. Praise God. We're all intelligent. If you're born again and you choose God, that's intelligence. So our burden needs to find expression. Our passion needs to be released. Our faith needs to be activated to reach our generation. And as I said last week, it's like some parts, you know, you take a car, and all of these individual parts, some are visible, some are invisible. Some you you know that they're there, others you wouldn't even know about, but you take it out and the car doesn't function properly. And so it's not not all about just standing behind a, a, a pulpit, a lectern, and preaching the word or prophesying, thus says the Lord. There's just so much to be done in God's kingdom, and uh, we all need to find our slot. We need to find our slot in the house to contribute towards the functioning of the local church and we find our slot outside of the house through our uh, you know through our possibly through our job, through our business, through our profession or what have you, somewhere somehow that we get involved to extend the kingdom of God. Sometimes a burden raises itself in our lives by questions. People say, I wonder I wonder if the elderly are looked after. I wonder if somebody is ministering to the kids. I wonder if, if the kids are, if somebody's looking after them well, not just, you know, like, not just mind them, but actually loving on the kids. And somebody I say, I wonder if, I wonder who changes the light bulbs around here. I wonder if the bills are paid. Burdens, passions, that all need to find expression. When each person finds their slot, this thing hums and it goes somewhere. What is the dream that God's placed on the inside of you? What are you burdened with? What annoys you? What is the passion that drives you? Moses became burdened with the welfare of his people. Moses had it made. He was on the, on the, in the courts of Pharaoh. He was the adopted son to Pharaoh. He already he, he was a general. He was sort of, I guess, if you like, the exception to the rule. He was a very able man, though he had difficulty speaking. He was a very able man. And then sometimes we think, okay, God, here I am. What do you want me to do, God? I'm, I'm, I can do this. You tell me to do it and I'll do it. And that's exactly what Moses was like. And he says, oh, um, we just went out there and, uh, and uh, one day and, uh, tried to tell the story and got it slightly wrong, but he went out there. And he saw an Egyptian uh, slave master abuse one of the Hebrew slaves and went uh, over there and killed the Egyptian, struck him and killed him. He thought, oh, no, what have I done? So made a mess of it. So he buried him quickly and covered him over and uh, thought, we're Okay. <laughs> Next day he went out, there was two Hebrew uh, guys fighting. And he says, why are you brothers fighting? Shouldn't be doing that. You should work together. You know, in the church, there ought not to be any fighting. we we be here to work together. (laughs) And one of them said, oh, what are you going to do? Are you going to kill me like you killed the Egyptian yesterday? So Moses thought, oh, no, I'm in trouble. Pharaoh found out about it and said, I'm going to kill Moses. So Moses is off out into the desert. But this is not a bad place in the sense of a place where God can reconfigure us, to strip us of our ego and of our selfish ambition and of our pride and of our arrogance. It took him 40 years to deal with Moses. And when Moses got to the stage when God says, all right, Moses, you're reading. I want you to go and set my people free. Moses, I can't do it. And God says, you're in the right place. Just give me what you got. And let me breathe on that. And absolutely couldn't set two guys free. And now he's leading a, a people of uh, three and a half million people plus. Amazing. Deborah was burdened with the deliverance of her people. A woman. Praise God for women. The kingdom of God won't be today where it is for women. If you had always relied on men. On men only. Praise God for men. But there's a lot of passive men around. That annoys me too. Just telling you. Just telling you what annoys me, okay? Walking behind the missus, being dragged to church, dragging. dragging. What's the matter with you? (laughs) David was annoyed by Goliath's reproach against his God and against God's people. David says, I'm annoyed by that. How dare this guy defy God and defy the armies of, the, of Israel? Who is doing anything about it? Says, oh, David, shut up. Who are you? Go back to the sheep. And he says, what? Is there not a cause? So somebody heard, took him to Saul. Saul was the king. He was head and shoulder taller than everybody. Saul was the most qualified to take on Goliath. And he shook in his boots as well. And it took a young man who was fearless, like David, to come along to take out Goliath. And he only used what he had. Didn't have a machine gun, didn't have a, a tank or, a, or you know, a jet fighter and to blow Goliath out of the water. Just had a sling that he'd used before and went down and chose himself a few good stones. <laughs> When are you going to take on your Goliath? Because it just could be a lie that confronts you time and time. When are you going to stop listening to lies and listen to the truth? That you, if you're born again, you're the righteousness of God in Christ. There's nothing wrong with you. You're anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power. You rise up and do something significant and reach out to your generation. Nehemiah, as I said before, was burdened with the broken walls in Jerusalem, he was distressed. What are you distressed about? Paul became burdened with the salvation of his people. The funny thing was, God called him mainly to the Gentile people, to the non-Jewish people. And Paul said, I need to reach my people. And you know, sometimes God does one of those cross-cultural things. Interesting. And the Jewish people didn't listen to Paul. He says, all right, all right, all right. I've had enough. I'm going to the Gentiles. And God says, good. That's what I called you to do. Sometimes we might, you know, struggle on a bit here or there and suddenly be connect up with the purpose of God. See, to have a passion is to have a strong, enthusiastic cause or a devotion to a cause, a devotion to an ideal, a devotion to a goal, and tireless diligence in its furtherance. I see an ideal of a local church where young and old, everybody's humming, everybody's involved, everybody's honoring God, everybody worships God. People don't just sing, they actually worship God. People honoring God with their tithes and with their offerings, making available their gifts and their talents, contributing towards the mix so that the church can go further. You know there was a time when Pentecostal churches were meeting in little back rooms upstairs, down the back alley somewhere. There were leaders there. We had Flesh and I had one of the pastors there that was one of the pioneers in the early Pentecostal movement in this nation. He said to get people baptized with the Holy Ghost, we took him out the back quietly because it's just not just not something you did. And Nowadays we speak in tongues and don't think anything of it. These pioneers—they broke the ground. They stood against the ridicule and against the put downs and everything. Oh, you guys are just—you know—and then along come come us Word of Faith people. They put us down too, but we didn't go away. We wasn't going to back down. We saw something in the Word, and we've proclaimed it ever since. And now, as it's going more mainstream, it's like you get some of the some of the opposers now preaching that, and. Uh, well, praise God. You should stay with the program. Just stay with the program. Just getting ready to write down now in Acts chapter 26. Paul's, uh, God's speaking to, to Paul the apostle. Like that happens further on, but Paul's giving his testimony, speaking to King Agrippa. And he says, Jesus appeared to me. And in verse 16, he said, get up now and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant. Friend, if you're born again, you're appointed to be a servant. And for those of us that are called to, to lead, it's servant leadership that we exercise. Appoint you to be a servant, and a witness of what you have seen of me, and what you will be shown. I shall deliver you from these people and from the Gentiles to whom I will send you. God says, I deliver you from your people. And you know, for us to reach our generation, we've got to first be delivered from our generation and separated out. God says, come out from among them. And sometimes it's not so much in physically leaving, but just no longer participating in everything that everybody does in our generation to be different, allowing God to reconfigure us. Then when we speak, God says, he says, Be not afraid of their faces, be not afraid of their looks. It's like, What? What are you on about now? God says to Ezekiel, I have made you a forehead like a stone. He says, And you will confront your generation. So Jesus Christ appeared to Saul. And told him to stand up on his feet. And young people, God's saying to you today, stand on your feet. Don't lie down. Stand on your feet. Hear the word of the Lord. Be activated by the word and be activated by the spirit. Let your faith be activated. Let a hope and a vision be activated on the inside of you to do something significant for God. And dream big, but start small. And don't despise the day of small beginnings. In fact, I'm just going to go over to Ezekiel. It's not in the outline, but I thought this was really cool. Ezekiel chapter 1. Like, this is all fantastic stuff. Are we having fun this morning? I'm not telling you off. I'm in a good mood, okay? Just letting you know. Ezekiel chapter 2, God says to me, son of man, stand on your feet and I will speak to you. Actually, God speaks all the time, but sometimes we can't hear until we stand on our feet and get into a position of readiness. Then the Spirit entered me when he spoke to me and set me on my feet and I heard him who spoke to me. Interesting, there's a truth in that. And he said, he said to me, Son of man, I'm sending you, the children of Israel, to a rebellious nation who has rebelled against me and their fathers have transgressed against me uh, to this very day. They are impudent and are stubborn children. I'm sending you to them and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord. So here is uh, Ezekiel being called out from his generation. God speaks to him, works him over, gets him ready. says, right, I'm going to let you loose on your generation. He says, whether they listen to you or not, speak. Praise God, I'm going to close with this next scripture, saying you're so excited about my preaching today. (laughs) Acts chapter 13, verse 36, speaks about David. It says, after he had served his own generation, by the will of God, he fell asleep. And that falling asleep means he moved on, passed away, he died. And you know, if Jesus were to tarry and not come back in our lifetime, which would really surprise me, but uh, if not, I'll just carry on serving God right until I get to the jumping off point. And when we get to the time when we fall asleep, will somebody say about us that we have served our generation. Will they say that? I'd like to believe that they will. I'd like like to believe that every one of us gave gave it the best shot. In fact, more than that, we absolutely, we just absolutely get so filled with the Holy Ghost and let the word of God, let the passion of God so burn on the inside of us. We become dangerous to our generation. I tell you, I mean, uh, we, we, we even do crazy things, radical things, radical. Young people, be radical. Don't be normal. Don't be like everybody else. Be radical. This is, we're calling for radical Christianity. Read the book. There's no such thing as a mothball Christianity. Be radical. Step out and do something big for God. If you're between 18 and, and 38 years of age, put your name on that list out there. We're looking forward to see you there. And we're all, all going to spend a weekend together. I tell you what, we're going to be worked up. We're going to be worked over and worked out. And by the time we leave there, we'll be released. And I tell you what, we'll be armed and <laughs> dangerous. Anyway, praise God. I think this is probably a good time to stop. Just going to pray and trust God to just round off. Just ever since I've been preaching, God's been moving on people. I had a sense there that God's been visiting with different ones. You're sensing the Spirit of God just coming on you and just speaking to you. Making those words that we've heard today applicable in your own particular life and in your own particular situation. You know who you are. Some of you know what you're called to do and some of you are still not sure. But whatever is bubbling and stirring on the inside of you. And sometimes if you're not quite sure, it's just always good to join somebody else. If somebody else knows where they're going and they're serving in a team somewhere, let me join you. Let me get on board with what you're doing. That is that is many times the best place to get started. Let me just get on board. If you you know there's a cleaners team right here, they need some more people. There's people that are serving in different areas and ushers and greeters and so forth, uh, catering people. Let, let me just get on board and le- let me just help and, and let's just get going. And once we're standing upright on our feet. In serving God, we can hear the voice of God better. Father, we just want to thank you once again for your word. That Lord, your word is gone on the inside of us. Parts of it are sweet and parts of it taste a bit bitter. But Lord, we are ready to take it all. And Lord, right now, I just declare once again, Father, that we are doers of the word and not hearers only. We thank you, Lord God, for visiting us, invading our lives by your spirit. Lord, that you're giving visions and dreams, causing young people to prophesy, to speak truth, to not say what is, but to say what will be. The next generation is activated. They're rising up to make an impact on their world around them. We thank you, Father, for the next generation of leaders rising up, Lord, to take their place, anointed, Lord, to do leadership in the way that we see it in your word. I thank you for every man, every woman, every child. I thank you, Father. For the blessing of God on every person, on every family, on every business that is represented here, on every career. Everybody, Lord, that's doing one thing or other. Lord, that the blessing of God is upon it. That we are a blessed people. And as we head out today, Father, we once again remind ourselves that Jesus died on the cross. We are a grateful people. And we want to thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have yourself a good afternoon.